was the first group I really got that was like after like emo and shit, you know? I was just like, because they were they're diverse. I was like, whoa, music can be not just one sound for the whole album, you know? Yeah, they were big about, you know, reggae, ah. stealing reggae feel or stealing oh, totally. a, you know, even like blues. Even Indian stuff. Yes, you know? yes. I know, look at this thing. I, I can't actually eat this during the podcast. That's insane. It's like fudge. Mm. It's just so much. It's a lot. This episode's brought to you by Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah. Um. My God, that's too good. All right, I'm going to put that up. Holy crap. We're rolling. Whoa, what? Okay. We opened with you talking about this. <laughs> What, what, what? Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to the very, very special introductory episode of the brand new, slightly new musical podcast called Musical Propaganda. The podcast that 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 challenges your perceptions of music, uh, while we challenge each other's perceptions of music. It's myself, Brandon J. Harris, and this other guy. Hello, world. What's your name? My name is Neil Christian Luke. Love that. Like Brandon said, this is musical propaganda. Occasionally, we'll have a guest. Today, we do not. Because this is going to be the Sparks Notes edition of Musical Propaganda. That is correct. What do I mean by Sparks Notes? What do you mean? What I mean is you could take this one episode and you could learn everything you need to know about this podcast going forward. Boosh. If this is your first podcast of ours, of this that you're listening to, you're on the right path. That's the point of this one. Now let me just get get some of the preliminary um, bits of information about the way this podcast will go. Typically, Brandon will come into the come into the situation <laughs> and stu- studio. Yeah, well, yeah, he will come into the living room um, and he will have a song that I've never heard. We will listen to said song. Sometimes we'll give an opinion about that song. Sometimes it'll take us on a rabbit hole. Two other songs, and so on and so forth. And then I will bring a song that he presumably has not heard, and we will also chit the chat about that one. Then we like to take a pause, smoke some weed, then we listen to some modern music or other, you know. Yeah, we kind of get lost (laughs) at that point. (laughs) Uh, uh, But we're figuring it out. You know, we really are regimenting. We're we're uh, exploring each other, and we're uh, we're building a formula. You know, we're building a base, and this is the first brick that we are laying in this uh, foundation of podcast history. Hopefully, yeah. You, you I love. The, let's set the predictions now because yeah. we're gonna just. This is about to be our bread and butter here. This is gonna be the breadwinner. Okay. Well, so what I have right now that's different, we've already recorded some episodes, just so you're aware out there, but uh, I felt like we needed to establish a little bit of credibility between myself and Neil, 
and maybe, you know, give you, the listener, a little introduction as to how our minds operate with regards to music, you know, because it's a very nebulous concept, music, and we all sort of, I think, have our perception of it and have our beliefs about it, but we don't necessarily have, uh, like, a standard definition of it. Uh, we don't have, we, it's never been broken down in, in sort of scientific terms, I suppose. It's all very, like, it's totally related to your emotions and your perception, and sometimes that's hard to, 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 to speak out loud. Sometimes that's hard to put into words, but we're going to try to put that into words today so that you sort of get where Neil's coming from and you sort of get where I'm coming from whenever we hear a new piece of music. Isn't that good? Isn't that interesting? Don't you want to hear what we have to say after... You blew my pod! After you blow my pod. So uh, I guess what's different today is I have a list of questions that I'm going to pose to Neil... And he's going to give me his thoughts. And then maybe he can, I feel like you could be like, what about your thoughts on that question? And just shoot it right back at me. Most definitely. And Neil's got questions as well. And uh, same, same applies. Same goes. So let's just bust right into it. Let's go right into it. Shall we? That's what we're about to do. My first question uh, I'll start with a with an easy one. We'll do a we'll do a a changeup. No, a softball. What's what's something in baseball that's an easy hit? Fastball, right down the middle. There right down the middle, straight right down, down the, the plate. Uh, your earliest memory of enjoying music. Lay it on me. So, the year is probably nineteen ninety six. Maybe 1997, roughly. I'm about 10 years old. I've got two older brothers who at this time would be ages 17 and 18, roughly. So they're seven and eight years older than me. Now I've got one brother that's sort of a bit more, a bit quieter and reserved, and then one brother who's a bit more outspoken and a little bit more of a wild child. You're the middle. I am the youngest. Okay, the youngest. So it goes kind of wild child, calm, reserved, and then whatever the fuck I am. Yeah, question So mark. with that, my kind all of... All boys. All boys, three boys, yes. So the loose cannon of the family, his name's Nathan, and he had a, you know, because we're looking at 1997, so the musical palette at that time of popular music, we're talking it's, it's post-Nirvana, so there's a lot of alternative music that is in the mainstream. So <clears throat> when he was out with his friends smoking weed, you know, I'd walk into his dimly lit room that smelled like bong water, and I would go to his CD player where he had, you know, the Blue Album. He had... Weezer. Yeah, Correct. Weezer, the Blue yeah. Album. He had Squirrel Nut Zippers. He had... Is that an album? Uh, no, that's a band. It's that's a band. like okay. he. he uh, another album he had was like the Bloodhound Gang's One Fierce Beer Coaster, which was their breakthrough album. And Bush Sixteen Candles. Uh, Bush, um, yeah. You know, 
I remember, obviously, we had Nevermind. We had Toadies. We had, I think the name of that record's Rubberneck, the Toadies record, you know, with their two hits on there. So the earliest time, I think, like, right now, just trying to think about it, it's either between Sublime, the self-titled album, um, or the Blue Album. And with specifically the Blue Album, I remember really liking Buddy Holly, and I was really into that song, and so I'd go skip to track five, then go lay down and listen to it, and then get back up and skip back to tr track five, then go lay down and go do that. And then, you know. Headphones? No, this is just blasting in my room. And so what ended up happening is I got lazy about wanting to get up to switch it back to track five, and then I would just let it play. And so then you'd get sort of the rest of the record, and that was sort of breaking me into these other because keep in mind i had seen the buddy holly video on on mtv yeah you know what i mean like that's all you wanted at first You're correct like, i want that buddy holly yeah and Injected. so i'd say those are probably between the two early memories where i'm like sneaking into my brother's room like playing the cassette tape of the self-titled sublime and then listening to that and like what I got comes on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I'd love to do a full episode on Sublime because I think <laughs> oh, yeah? that there's not enough respect put on their name. Damn, but, hot but, take. But I we mean, can, I kind of love that. We can move past that for now. Here's the, let me just, before we go into that. Because they like, get shit on now. They do. And All I would over. say that the problem with Sublime isn't the band, it's the fans. Yeah. And it's also the people who think it's cool when they're 14 and never get over it by the time they're 34. Shows, you know what I'm shows saying? shows a little bit of lack of growth. Yeah, and I mean, but if you really, really, really want to get down to it, you've got Bad Brains in there, you've got the Beastie Boys in there, you've got some love of Led Zeppelin, love of ska, that love er, of hip-hop. That early? Oh, for sure, Damn. for sure. And that's yep. the, I mean, think about this. You're a kid, you're growing up, you know, 10 miles, 17 miles from Compton, where NWA has just taken over the whole fucking world with Fuck the Police, and you're, you know, he's probably in his early 20s, right when the LA riots and shit are happening, and also this is, like, tied into a musical movement. Like, the I'll LA see. riots, they blamed on NWA, you know what I mean? Even though it was the Rodney King beatings and the verdict that led to that, uh, among many mm. other things. I'm just saying that this guy was in the mix. Bradley. Bradley Noel yeah, yeah. was yeah. in the mix of a very culturally, um, you know, significant time. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think that it, the music shows that. with well, Reggae and dub, too, you know? And, like, like rootsy reggae and dub, you know? Toots the Maytals kind of shit, you know? Well, uh, th think about that. They're covering 5446 yeah. on their first record. Yeah. There are a fucking bunch of 20-year-olds covering Toots and the Maytals. A like, bunch of people never heard that shit before. Exactly. And I sure as shit in 1997, looking at a cassette at fucking 10 years old, I had no idea because music discovery was so much different back then. You Gra know? Grateful Dead too, right? Oh yeah, uh, Scarlet Begonias. Scarlet Begonia, but yep. then take that and they put a sampled hip hop beat under it. Yeah. So they like had a turntablist, like you know what I'm saying. So they're they're already in that like mixtape genre of music of like Absolutely. hodgepodge. So 
that's probably my earliest um, memory. And keep in mind, that's I feel a little unique in the sense that I was gifted this alternative music palette early on. Mm. Like my brothers who were older were already into sort of, even though that was the mainstream at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I still feel fortunate to have those influences early on in, in my life, you know? Yeah, I feel like people, even though, yes, that was mainstream, you still sort of picked your lane and stuck with it, you know? Uh, even in that day. Well, what about you? Uh, okay, me, earliest memory. Well, it, you, what you described, kind of pretty similar. You know, you're bringing back a lot of memories uh, that are pretty similar to my, to my own experiences. Definitely had a big brother. I was the middle kid, but big brother who was sort of like the troublemaker, you know, got like break the law a little bit, bongs and shit, emotional problems, <laughs> uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Dustin. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about you, bro. Uh, but yeah, I remember specifically if we're talking about Sublime, there was this, uh, the, the one with, with, with uh, the, the girl who's like a prostitute or whatever. It became a popular song. I forget wrong what it's way. called. Yep, that's the wrong way. Not their first album, correct? Correct. That's their major label release. Got the tattoo on the back and all that yep, shit. Yep, yep. Uh, and I remember on the inside, there's like a little tiny like porno mag in the uh, the illustration. So there's an illustration of a really gross clown guy who's like an alcoholic. And there's like a little porno mag on like the floor and you could barely see it. But I remember like sneaking into my brother's room and like getting his Sublime CD and like sort of trying to peek at like the porno mag. And that kind of created this air that, like, Sublime maybe was, like, this risque kind of powerful music, you know, that was, you're kind of, like, breaking the law a little bit listening to it, or you shouldn't be listening to it, because caress me down, and he's speaking Spanish, you know, and, like, uh, so early, definitely early experience with, with Sublime and a lot of that stuff that, that you were talking about, you know, like, you know, sneaking into your brother's room and all that, but... I would say my, er, if we're really being truthful, uh, my earliest memory of enjoying music was probably maybe th three or four years before that. My parents are like hippie types, and they were playing stuff like uh, the Pretenders or maybe uh, Ace of Bass. I think so. That I remember really hitting the mark. Uh, I'm trying to think of the a Pretenders song, but I, I can't. I can't remember. If I heard it, I would be like, "Oh, this song." They they like loved it. My parents did. And my dad has like a big stereo and shit, so he would do, he was always jamming music really loud. And uh, there you go. That that's my earliest memory. And so music. you just and that's more of a vague memory. And so far as like yeah. your parents kind of just playing music in in a household setting. I never like sought it out. I was never like I gotta find that and put it on and and listen to it on my own. That was kind of like they just kept repeating that shit, and I was like, yeah, that that freaky sound is happening again. I love it. The one that I just recently heard that someone told me was called Back on the Chain Gang by the Pretenders. Yeah, there you go. Back on the Chain Gang. Yeah, that one. Oh, that someone showed that's me it. that uh, recently. And I was like, oh, yeah, this song. Yeah. I forgot about that. But, yeah, great, great track. Um, yeah, I really, I mean, and yeah, I look back at it now, and it is, it is good stuff. So. Well, let Except me ask you this face. with regards to sort of your palette growing up. At what point did you sort of realize, because when we first started, I think when I clicked record, you were talking about Zeppelin. So... I would consider Zeppelin pretty much like a rite of passage in any music lover's kind of evolution, an American music lover growing up that has that or at British. their disposal. Or British, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but 
I guess, when did you sort of notice, I know that Zappa is like the key that unlocks sort of maybe the avant-garde world to you, but even still, you're not going to find a bunch of people uh, looking at you like you're normal if you're just blasting Sublime in, around that time, even though it was mainstream. So wh at what point did you notice sort of your musical tastes were sort of bordering on like maybe obscure or alternative or indie or do you know what I mean? When did you kind of break free from the proper path insofar as your tastes being a little bit more refined outside of the mainstream culture? Uh, are we considering Led Zeppelin mainstream uh, culture? I would say that in our time when you, there's no internet coming up when like yeah. literally you just handed a record or you're handed a CD. I think that is a little different than now. I think it's pr like now it's pretty commonly known that Led Zeppelin is like a step in the rock lineage mm -hmm. hallway or, you know, the staircase, you know, I, I feel like that's the case, but pretty late in the game. I mean, uh, I, that I got into Zeppelin. It wasn't until I was in maybe my last year of high school. I feel like. So what's happening before that then? Oh, because emo's kind of off the, I would say that although it was popular, Vagrant Records and drive Through Records and yeah. Punk and all that, I would say that uh, nine out of ten kids in your high school probably weren't all listening to that same kind of yeah. shit. You yeah. know what I mean? So they're maybe going with the country pop charts or the CILFM. Hip-hop. Yeah, uh, hip-hop. Suburbs. That yeah, you know, they exactly. Were, they were all pretty much into the, the pop shit, hip-hop. So what were you going... What, what, how did you get to Zeppelin? Like, what's the emo path? Like, how did you go from Pretenders to your brother's room, to your <laughs> yeah. own taste, to... Oh, uh, I think I really noticed when I heard Green Day, when I come around, I was like, this is something I want to, like, seek out. <laughs> uh, and so I got a hold of that album, you Dookie, know. Dookie, baby. Yeah, yeah, Dookie, specifically. And, the art uh, on there had some really good, you know, oh, you absolutely. could really dive into that artwork, too. I used to have a t-shirt that was, like, the blown-up cover of that, which I thought was really cool. Um, so, yeah, definitely, like, when I was trying to be in charge of my musical taste, stuff like Duke, like, like Blink-182 and Green Day definitely hit pretty hard for me because they're just so enjoyable, but at the same time had that like young rebellious kind of flavor to it, you know, that I thought was cool to add to my identity at the time, you know, because I wanted to be rebellious, I suppose. Uh, but then that, that sort of led to emo, which I thought was more maybe mature, even though it was probably not, um, because it was more emotional, you know, and I was like, oh, they're not talking about butts and farts that's dumb you know uh so there you go and then that led that that from there we, we pretty much got into zeppelin and all that but hit me with some of these emo late. bands that you like at the time oh well the thing is it was like my friends were into them you know so for me to 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 be accepted into the friend group it was like almost like you had to listen to that kind of stuff uh but Brand New was pretty much like the, the one that like united us all. And I still, to this day, will stand by Deja and Tendu as, as a classic uh, rock record. You know? I think it's a great record. Yeah, no yeah. Doubt. Super good. Like on par with, with Beatles or whatever. Um, but maybe lesser known people, guys, uh, you know, Taking Back Sunday, Senses Fail, uh, maybe like Reliant K. Oh, or dude! Whatever. I, yeah, here's yeah. what's crazy, Brandon. I'm glad we're doing this now yeah, yeah. because that is literally the same exact thing that happened to me. <laughs> I know, the older brother crazy. into the certain music, 
but I have this little phase of like punk rock in between the emo, uh-huh. like getting into the queers and screeching weasel oh, wow. and like, you know, sort of alkaline trio is like a bridge between sort of pop punk and punk and dark sort mm-hmm. of, you know. And then so I had this like kind of like light punk. I mean, I love the Ramones. I was sort of into the clash, the their self-titled record, at least at this time. Um, but basically then the same thing happens to me where I go, oh, well, like I'm going through all these breakups and I'm going through all these like coming of age things. And Adam Lazara from Taking Back Sunday is also going through this shit where his best friends are turning on him and his fucking, you know, this girl did this to him, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing is looking back at some of that emo, it's like, man, that is toxic as fuck. Oh, man. But oh, like, man, yeah. uh, also at the same time, though, it's like, it's misguided and misdirected, but it's super honest. It's yeah. it's like, it's true hard on your sleeve at the, despite how it makes me look, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So there's something cool about that um, intense emo that you could say that like taking back Sunday or brand new uh, would have um, embodied, but then there's also like the saves the day, uh, sort of maybe more melodic, more poppy, mm-hmm. uh, sort of smarter love songs, like a bit more of a smarter Chris Conley's like a smarter guy in some ways, mm-hmm. I would say, where he's not just like s- captive by his emotions, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but it's just really interesting to me that literally our lineages are the exact same. And then the the one thing that really breaks it for me, it sounds like for you, it was Led Zeppelin maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The one thing for me was Bob Dylan and the Beatles. Oh, wow. wow. Where it was like, I heard that and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. Mm. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I think if you put on the devil and God is raging inside of me right now, the third brand new record. Get down. Oh, it's fucking bangs. It's a rock record. I never heard that one actually. uh, There's some good stuff on there. They really pushed... Rather than sort of resting on their laurels, like a lot of the emo genre maybe did, they pushed forward and yeah. forged a new path, almost like akin to some Radiohead type shit. That was something that even even back then I sort of began to notice, and part of what soured me to the emo thing, I was like, I was like, oh, a new album by this band I really enjoy, and then they were sort of delivering sort of the same old shit, you know. And Thursday did that a lot. Census Fail did that a lot. I feel yeah. like their records weren't very diverse. But you brand know. new, specifically, like if you listen to the first record, My Favorite Weapon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, pop punk vibes. Yeah, very super pop punk and, and uh, you know, a tinge of emo. Absolutely. But, but then Deja and Tendu, they just sort of they t- took it in a whole other direction. And it sounds like they continue to do that with the third album, which, but by that time, I was, I was over it. Cashed out. Well, you know, yeah. it's interesting because you know the No Seatbelt song? Yeah. That's, probably. On, that's on your favorite weapon? Yeah. That is interesting because if you like play that right now, that sounds like uh, you can you can see that they carved this one little path that would then become Deja Intendu. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And then, but they also had the tell all the English boys you mean <laughs> about America, oh, the pop punk vibe. Memories. So, but I'm just saying it's cool because you there's one track I think it's like track six on the record where mm. I always skipped it. I'm like, what the fuck is this, <laughs> dude? Yeah, like, yeah. and then. A, Turns out the that's future. yeah. <laughs> it uh. Turns out their second record comes out and it's just twelve of those songs mm-hmm. basically. Totally, you know. Uh, well, that that's it's interesting when when you were saying that it was Beatles and Bob Dylan for you because for me it was Beatles and Led Zeppelin, you know. And I think we're beginning to to map the uh, the path of our of our discourse perhaps, you know, because 
I'm sure we agreed on the Beatles and, and would have at the time and how good they were or whatever, but I never, ever to this day have not gotten into Bob Dylan, uh, aside from a couple, you know, songs that are popular that I already know. Uh, you know, what's the one where he's like traveling, you're traveling stone or whatever, rolling stone. Like a rolling stone, uh, yep. Changes or whatever, gather around people. Wherever oh, the you're times rolling, they are times changing. Times they are changing, yep. I mean, I know that shit, and, and I love that stuff. It's really great. But it never, Led Zeppelin, I like heard one song, and then I heard another song that was totally different, and then I heard another song that was like even different from those two and that really uh, inspired me to to go through their discography because I was like, I want to see everything they have to offer and and the diversity and that like essentially set the stage for my standards moving forward because if I get into a group, I'm listening to every single one of their albums and that's just sort of how I operate. So that was the first band that you really go, okay, I'm going to their first album, I'm going to listen to the first album, then I'm going to listen to the one that they made after that then I'm gonna, you literally did the chronology of their... Oh, yeah. That's Definitely. cool. That's a, I mean, that's exactly where I was with the Beatles, because here's what I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say this was right around the time, Bring it. just after, like, LimeWire and Napster, where you could just find a fucking torrent of the full discography. Boom, bang, <laughs> yeah. got it, and moving on. Yeah. You know, because that's how I got all the Beatles stuff. I mean, I, ha I like, had one... You know the big hits thing. I feel like that Beatles one compilation yeah, yeah, came one, out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it helped kind of get a new group of of generational kids into this music. But blah blah blah. I'm just saying, if it wasn't for Torrance, I wouldn't have went on these tangents of like downloading 20 Neil Young albums and mm -hmm. just like listening to them. Totally. You know, or and starting with the first one and going in order. But yeah, I think there's something to be said for that being the starting point, because that's still what you do, right? If you find someone you like, you go through their records in chronological order. Nowadays, I mean, if uh, I'll, 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 like, I'll hit a point where I'll be like, all right, now I got to go back because they've convinced me. You know, I'll maybe do one album and, and see how I feel after maybe one or two random albums, you know? And if those, those random albums are, are good enough or so good... Uh, I will go back and 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 go through the whole thing, you know. Uh, it's been a little bit, a little bit of a while since I've really hit somebody that that has done makes that you want to do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you know what I was going to say too is it's really interesting. I think that you can find this through line between you and I based on this short twenty-five minute conversation, which is that when you when I hit my inspirational like oh my god moment with with like classic music like the Beatles and Dylan. Yeah. You had the Beatles and Zeppelin. Now, the main thing about Zeppelin is the music. Like, I could give a shit about what Robert Plant is saying <laughs> most know. of the time. Yeah. Um, especially when it's, like, getting into fucking fairies and misty mountains and, like, his J.R.R. Tolkien bag. I'm like... I'm over that. Like yeah, personally, we're, we're dealing with imagery. We're we're, we're dealing with uh, right. with escapism almost. You know? But like you were saying, they do sort of all these different genres. They like to 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 sort of take from different cultures of music and yeah. and, and and add them to their you know way of doing things. But it's interesting because in my version of it it's bob dylan who's yeah. lyrics 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 there's we're, we're doing g c and d yeah you know what i'm saying maybe throw an e minor in there oh but, gotcha so i'm just saying 
if you're going to go after all these the next seven episodes, you're going to find this dynamic of Brandon and I where Brandon's a musical mind, mind. Brandon's a musical mind, and I'm more of on a lyrical mind in, in, in a lot of ways. I'm not saying I'm just dead set on that. I don't think you are either. Um, but I do think that's kind of interesting that I can, I can connect the dots between... That's why we're doing this, baby. Yeah, I baby. Mean, psh, how, how valuable. What the how hell valuable. am I supposed to do while they're fractionating raspberries? <laughs> I got to get new samples. Uh, but, you know, the thing about Bob Dylan, that, that's he's a little bit more like, he, it's not so much escapism, you know? It's not fantasy. And, and that's something that I feel like I've learned about you, Neil, is like your apprehension towards fantasy and maybe towards escapism towards a little bit, you know? Uh, but Bob Dylan, he's talking about his historical things. He's talking about real things, and he's a little bit more grounded in in the movements that are happening in that time. And I mean, of course, Led Zeppelin was as well. But they're going to interpret that in in a in a more you know obscure sort of way, where the point sort of gets lost because it almost doesn't matter because it's whatever you make of it, you know. Whereas Bob Dylan is like, no, this one's about that motherfucking boxer who was unfairly treated and blah 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 hurricane or whatever mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know much more beyond that but uh but i mean dude here just yeah. just take one second though and and just consider this you're called the voice of the people the voice of a generation and you like c- can you think of a song that came out right now it would be like if if it would be like if Kanye West or something released a song about George Floyd like the next day and it was like as if there was any controversial take you could have from watching that fucking disgusting eight-minute video. But I'm just saying, imagine that, and where you use like your platform. Cry. Yeah, and honestly, dude, Bob Dylan was like, hey, man, if you don't get this man out of prison, I'm never playing this song again. And guess what? Yeah. He never fucking played the song again. Damn, so I didn't know that. I just think there's something real special about using your platform to smart, in a smart way, say, wow. hey, man... This guy was convicted because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and because he was black. Yeah. Like, he didn't do it, you know, but blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying it's interesting. We don't see that a lot, where you're actually a current event is also in the current top 40. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like... And 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 it's making people think twice about what they their opinion on that topic may be, you Mm -hmm. know. So I I just with regards to Dylan, I think that's a special and uh, and and bringing it into people's minds and stuff. I mean, Zeppelin, as far as I know, didn't really do anything like that. You know, they were they were they were trying to escape being political. Probably right, right. I would say that's probably true. Uh, Okay, well, there's question one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here we go. Uh, Yeah. Let's see. We'll moving, moving on down. We'll we'll try and get a we'll try and fit a, some more questions in here. Uh, best musician, just just straight up best musician, and pitch them to me. Give me a little pitch. You mean that I've ever seen, or just like in the world? Just whatever that means to you, you know. So, because I know I have an answer. You know, if you said who's the best musician, I mean, I've, I've, the top of my head, I'm going to just say Frank Zappa. You know, right, right. And, you know, I think that he's definitely in the conversation. I think that somebody like Thelonious Monk is in the conversation. Um, I think somebody like Louis Armstrong is in the conversation. Um, Because, you know, Frank Zappa is like those two guys on 10 in a way, where it's like Thelonious is pretty weird and pretty experimental, but I'm just saying... 
he's emoting through his instrument, through mm -hmm. his fingers. And Louis is emo like I can feel the tension through his playing. Mm -hmm. So that's something to me that like stands out in my mind. Yeah, not everybody can do that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's less about their, even though those guys have chops, don't get me wrong, those guys can play circles around the scales and modes and all that. But... It's just notes. Yeah, exactly. They're they're also good at emoting. They're also like playing the instrument. Mm -hmm. The instrument's not playing them or something. You know what I'm saying? Where so, I would also say that I tell you who's a really good musician, but in a different kind of way. Paul McCartney. He's mm -hmm. one of you know what I mean. Uh, so. That works, man. I mean that's that, that I'll, I, that's an acceptable answer. You know, the guy's done so much uh, and. It hasn't ever like fallen victim to, to being overly technical, you know? Yeah. Or, or to losing the message. I think that the main mission statement with what I was just trying to say is like, although I can respect a Steve Vai or a. Yeah, yeah. A Malmsteen or whatever, it's like there is that proficiency for the sake of proficiency is not really where my head's at. Yeah. I like some applicational uh, use, I like to see it and it has to work. Totally. when it's down so you know those are just some that come to my mind uh how about you besides frank zappa oh besides frank i mean it's frank and miles davis it's like <laughs> but that's it's cheap it's a cheap answer because they just have they both have so much music and uh i mean i know i wish i could be like Jeff Beck or something. I just feel like that's way more specific because like he's a person that kind of does his thing and has carved his thing out and is sort of known for being a guitar player, you know, but people like Miles and Frank, they're also composers and arrangers and, and stuff like that. And it's like, that's not necessarily what I mean when I ask best musician. When I say best musician, I'm talking about instrument in your hands you know, you have three minutes to make sounds, you know, and who, who's, who's, whose sounds that they're making is your favorite or you think the best, you know, so. I mean, I like Paul Simon a lot, too. I think Paul Simon can play the damn guitar really, oh, really absolutely. well, and he can write great melodies and stuff like that. So, you know, that's it's just interesting because neither, like, I consider Miles and Frank, they play a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and a lot of the people in my list aren't those types of people. Gotcha. And, and again, there's people who play a lot of notes that don't resonate with me, and there's people who play a lot of notes, and it does resonate. And I would say yeah. that Miles and Frank Zappa are both in that latter category of yeah. playing a lot of notes, but it having meaning and being meaningful so and having catharsis. You maybe know? being a little more selective uh, about what, what they're putting out. Uh, okay, well, yeah, love it. I'm moving on, moving on. Next question. Let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah, this is an easy one. This is a softball. Another softball for you. Uh, favorite musical instrument? Favorite musical instrument? Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, I guess it's got to be the piano. Damn. I mean, but, but I'm not good at it. I see. I the, mean, well, you, know, you don't have to be. I just, I maybe that's sort of my romantic relationship with it is that there's just, uh -huh. it's in the, there's so much of what it could be for me. And I mean, I see people play the damn thing and I'm like, what is happening there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that's probably, probably the one for me. But how about you? Um, 
Probably like a glass harmonica. Oh, <laughs> dude. It's like, that's, that's my answer up, well, at up least on you, top of a mountain. At least you flipped from the last one. You, so that's a, there's your non-cliche Yeah, answer, I mean, I don't you know? know anybody that plays the glass <laughs> harmonica at all, but it's like, I love the sound of it. It sounds, it's very angelic and... and uh, I don't even know if I know what it sounds yeah. like. Should we just take a second and listen to uh, what a glass I, I harmonica sounds like? I pull like? up glass harmonica on... This is just your average musical propaganda okay. moment. You know what I mean? Adagio just like, for glass harmonica here. Uh, what the? So far, uh, it's got my favorite instrument. Piano transcription. Oh, okay. This is the piano version. Okay, this is the. So the piece is called. Uh, there we go. This is the uh, glass harmonica version. See, isn't that nice? What even is this? Like, let me just look at a photo of the a, glass a harmonica. Glass harmonica was invented by Benjamin Franklin. No. Yep. It is a. Uh, it's like if you put a spit through the middle of many concentric-sized glass bowls, and then you uh, you rotated that spit, you get uh, your fingers wet, and you put them on the rims of those glass bowls, causing the glass bowls to resonate. It's just like when people have the the glasses of wine all in front of them, oh, and they go, Oh, that's a glass harmonica, basically. Yes. Uh, in principle, that's the same sound it's making. Yes. Moisture, glass, yes. and then and the volume vibe, yeah. of liquid. Wild. The resonating of the, the glass bowls and stuff. See, doesn't that sound lovely? Like, there's no attack. and it's, I do it's love that. It's just like glass. You don't hear glass resonate like that much, and it's... It's like anotherworldly sort of uh, instrument. I think they, it's really, they, they're it's really, really nice. doing a great job with this too. Yeah. This is sounds great. Pretty yeah, cool, no, right? great choice, great instrument. Apparently, great instrument. This, this is a a, a Mozart piece. Uh, the Adagio Imagine. for glass harmonica. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Mozart coming yeah. in. Yeah, I know. Coming in high. Uh, should you got a question or? Yeah, I do. You, I was you gonna say. Back, let so me just I let me just um, let me just kind of throw a little wrench in this. What's the last yeah. song that made you cry? <sighs> last song that made me cry. Hmm. Um, 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 um. I don't cry. I mean, that's a good question. Uh, Let's 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 do a different question and then and we'll we'll come back to that because I'll think I'll think of it. All right, I'll yeah, yeah, we'll it. table that now. Because I know I have an answer and I know it's a, an okay one, but I can't quite put my finger on it. All right, well here's um, let me let me see. Um, what do you? Let me just get. This is a little bit different than the last one, but do you believe in the idea of selling out as a musician? And if so, what does that mean to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and feel free to provide any examples of groups where throughout your life you thought, okay, they had it, they lost out. it, they... I would say selling out uh, is appealing to the, the current sound, whatever that is, uh, in an effort to, to remain uh, fucking, what's the word? Relevant. Yes, to remain relevant. You know, so like if if dubstep was a thing and you were a reggae band, and you then you were like, well, I'll make a dubstep record. But I mean, I guess that 
I don't want to preclude the notion that you actually just like dubstep and you want to make a dubstep record, you know? Right. But I guess by definition, a record made by a group that is selling out would lack substance. And if you were an active listener, that lack of substance would be readily apparent. You know, it would lack authenticity, which is a, a question I have down here at the bottom. How do you detect authenticity, you know? Which is not my question right now. Sure. Well, I guess I'd just like to say that, or just kind of prod a little bit and ask, well, I certainly don't think you're implying that whatever your first mission statement is, that you have to maintain that insofar as whatever the sonic palette of that mission statement would be, uh, just because something more popular happened to drift into your consciousness or drift into the mainstream culture so you know what i mean there is just a couple holes i would poke in the oh, totally you know and, and, and that's not to say that because I, I agree somewhat with what you're saying but i'm more i think that there's just an interesting notion that is selling out that i'm not sure if it really exists uh -huh, uh -huh. you know so so that's that's why i ask because you know it's easy for us to get on our high horse and say like oh you know Nimrod from Green Day has <laughs> yeah. Time of Your Life on there, and that song was fucking just a pop song that's acoustic guitar, and they were a punk band, and they're selling out because they were popular, and they wanted a mainstream hit, and they got the song that they play on everyone's graduation slideshow, and <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But, I mean... Do we allow the authenticity to exist in a song like Time of Your Life? Because mm -hmm. you could also make the argument that it's a bold choice for a band who's already been publicly slammed for not being punk enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, on Nimrod, that also has a song, Jinx. And that song's a punk banger. That song rips, totally. you know? And so I just, I, I've... As someone who grew up loving punk rock, the sellout idea was always right at the fucking mm -hmm. forefront of the conversation. Because you don't want to be into a band that is perceived as as be having sold out, right? Quote unquote. And you know, I, but at the same time, it's like, what is rock and roll high school? The movie is that not some form of <laughs> selling out? Movie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, do you know what I mean? Or is that are like maybe my maybe my goal here is to just delete the notion of sellout mm -hmm. and like because yeah i just don't know something about it yeah, rubs totally. me the wrong way you know yeah, what i mean because and it's entirely based on like perception you know uh i would say that if because i would get analytical and scientific with it you know as much as you can with music and i would say that like there are certain criteria that that a, a new album quote unquote would sort of have to hit to, for something to actually be like uh, they sold out or whatever. And part of that would be a perception of a lack of, of sincerity, you know, that like they're not being sincere anymore, you know. And part of that also would be taking into account the popular sound, you know, because you're as a punk person or whatever, you're making fun of the, the pop people, you know, and their shitty music taste. But then this punk band that you really love they you they come out with a record that like appeals to that group or whatever and you're kind of like betrayed you're kind of like well what the fuck you know I, i'm into you because you're against that whole movement and now it sounds like you're appealing to them and uh, you know that that is me is what i would perceive as selling out but if you like it that's like the ultimate point you know is if you like it 
fuck it, who gives a fuck, you know? Well, I think, though, too, you know, for whatever reason, my mind wants to go to this conversation of, like, art and, like, capital A, mm-hmm. like, like the, the hypothetical abstractness of what art is, and then commerce, capital C. Like, I want to pay for this thing that you have. Mm-hmm. And now, service is rendered, I think it's worth blah, blah, blah. Now, sometimes you have art that is genuine and sincere that makes it into the land of commerce untainted. Mm-hmm. So it's not been... There's not been any compromising. It just, ha- I would say Nirvana is a great example of this. Oh, yeah. So what, what happens, the big bang that is Nirvana, everything that comes after that, that can, we can have a conversation about that, or we can have a conversation about a few genuine human beings that got super successful and then how they navigated in a somewhat genuine way, and then everybody else that wanted to operate in sort of these alternative, for lack of a better word, modes of expression Mm -hmm. and themes and that kind of stuff. So I say all that to say the 60s is another similar time period where art and commerce sort of are in bed together in a positive way. Because there's a lot of times where commerce just just takes the thing and ruins the thing for the sake of the marketplace or whatever because they know that these certain sounds are selling. So that's where my mind goes with this conversation of genuine authenticity where it's like sometimes the thing that's authentic can be sold in the mainstream. Oftentimes it is not, but there's an important distinction to be made about that exact idea of like, I would say that the roots, the group, although they are popular now, I say they haven't lost any of their integrity simply because the thing they got popular doing was the authentic expression of themselves. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I you know, this also does sort of tie in with the sellout conversation where it's like if you are a part of the culture to just make a profit, I'm going to look at you a little different than if you were just being yourself and then that happened to get bolstered up into into fame. Totally. So, totally. And but that relies on on our perception you know, and our 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 listening and our listening skills and all that, correct? Yeah. What do you mean? Because I think, uh, like, what part of my perception perceives Kurt Cobain to be genuine? I, I sort of mean, like, the people that are ripping off Kurt, Kurt Cobain or whatever. You're, you're seeing them sort of openly acknowledge that this sounds already popular, and they're like, oh, I'm going to do that, too. You know? Right, right. No. Uh, you know, and I really feel like we hit those moments that you're talking about uh, where, where commerce and, and art sort of coincide which, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a really wonderful idea. And uh, heroes of mine like Frank Zappa also talk about that. Uh, we, I feel like we hit those moments when we uh, introduce sort of like new technology into the, into the musical lexicon, you know? In the 60s especially, like there wasn't really an album-selling music business that was established, you know? People didn't know what was going to work. And therefore, we had to sort of take chances. And I think once again, in the 90s, with the popularization of, like, cassette tapes and maybe indie labels and shit, you know? And it's like you look at, like, the authenticity of of some 90s music versus 80s music, 
when the business had been like solidified, you know, and like the big labels had sort of taken over the record distribution industry, you know, and the 90s was kind of a response to that and maybe putting, uh, you know, putting the power more in the hands of the artist, I think a little bit more with these like indie labels, like I was saying. And I think to a degree, maybe like the uh, the 2010s, uh, where anybody could put their own music on the internet, I definitely think that produced some authenticity as well, because, uh, you know, you're not beholden to anybody. It's just like somebody's band camp record that they put out, and you're kind of like, whoa, this is a really fresh sound. Or, But, I mean, obviously, there's plenty of drawbacks that, that go along with that uh, as well, but... Like I said, like like new new sort of technology that's coming out and, and a new business model is, uh, like, that's always happening when, when art and commerce are, are colliding, I feel like. Boop. Yeah, I, I, that sounds right to me. I also just wonder, though, like, Frank Zappa's first album comes out in what year? 1966. And the electric guitar was invented in what year? Uh, the 50s? Yeah, I'd say that's probably pretty close. I mean, like so um, I guess what I'm saying is like, you're not talking about like what part of the musical experience and uh, the undertaking of making it is changing. Like the concept of, of making an album uh, as opposed to just capturing a band. Because I definitely feel like before the Beatles made Revolver, before the Beatles made maybe Rubber Soul, before people like Frank Zappa made Freak Out, that was his first record. Uh, the the goal with the recording industry, because it, you could only have so many tracks, you know, that you could, I think it was like four tracks at yeah. first on a reel-to-reel. You couldn't really edit that much. The goal was to simply get the band in the room and then record the band, you know. But then groups like the Beatles made it a little bit more fashionable to, to make like a production, to make Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with all these different horns and overdubs and like the same thing with Magical Mystery Tour, you know. Then the goal became make a, a start to finish album, you so know. So what it we're talking about is recording. Like, what we're talking about is recording. Yes, Cause, yes. Because I just It wasn't looked, just like 12 songs, right, right. you know, that were disparate from each other and one of them maybe it might be a hit. Yeah. You know? So the, the, the equate, the like, catalyst for this change is technology of recording evolving. Yes, the recording okay. industry. Because, yeah, I just checked it out, and just in case someone's scraping, pulling their hair out, the guitar was invented oh. in 1931. Oh, so, the electric guitar? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I say all that to say, like, that means well, that it's been around for... popular till. Yeah, but I, the breaking the rules is different than breaking the rules in front of people. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So uh, the, if the guitar has been around for 35, 40 years, then... That's why I was wanting to get down to what we were talking about, which you, you did, which is actually four-track recorders to 16-track recorders yeah. to eight-track recorders to... Less so with instruments, right, specifically. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, all right. Uh, well, here's... Okay, this last song that made me cry. I know, I know. Um... <laughs> Roller coaster roll. I don't know where my emotions go. I can't. I can't. 
can't explain. Last time I cried during through rap. <laughs> can't even think about it right now. Uh, <laughs> fuck, man. Well, it makes me wonder if like it was a piece of very moving music, Probably. or if it were lyrics, because you know what I mean. Like, no. and I, I have I, lyrics. I, absolutely lyrics. Hundred percent lyrics. Not 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 a piece of music like a classical piece or whatever. Where sure. I'm just like, oh, absolutely, 100% lyrics that I'm relating to my life and things something I'm upset about. I'm just gonna go ahead and say, Wise Blood, picture me better. Why not? Great choice. Great yeah. choice. Yeah. I uh, mean, I I don't know if I cried necessarily, but. I got very emotional, and uh, you know, you know that song. You know I that do. Song? I okay. do. Well, yeah. I'm glad I'm not picking Wise Blood songs to to bring to the jam here. Oh no, I don't know them like well, well, but yeah, yeah. they sort of are in the popular indie circles. Like Absolutely. they've been on. I forget who they were just on. Like an album I saw. Oh, the Killers. They're on the new Killers record. Oh really? No yeah, way. I think no so. Um, but anyways, yeah. Tim Heidecker as well. She's she's working with. Oh, uh, nice. On, nice. on his album. Oh, and you saw, you ran their sound I at did. the, yeah. Well, so I remember you were. They in, had their own guy. You, oh, well, yeah. you were at the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I remember you were, you were affected by that yes. show. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I had seen her before. I actually saw her in Portland earlier on that tour. And, uh, but yeah, bo- both great shows. And I got into her albums and I think Picture Me Better. Uh, if you research it, I think it's about a friend of hers that committed suicide. Uh, so, you know, I guess the, Picture me better. That sentiment is sort of like, you know, hopefully if you could think of me, I've gotten better. Uh, and I think that's a good, that's a, a touching statement. It, just the title of the track. But it's a great song. Check it out. It's very, uh, it's very lush. It's very like almost uh, uh, a Carol King song. I just feel like it's very classically produced, like this big string section, you know. And like a woman behind the piano, it just it just something about it really like sticks out as like a late '60s kind of thing, you know. And I feel like that has has roots for me, you know. That gives it some some a foundation and some substance. Uh, yeah, there you go. What, do you have a song that you you uh, specifically can think of that you cried to that you'd like to share? You don't have to. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just um, there's a song called Lake Marie. Yeah. It's by John Prine. And you know, and with, who just passed, correct? Yeah, uh, and w- my specific relationship, like with John Prine, is one of that where my dad was really into him, mm-hmm. and my dad always played some of his songs on the guitar. Yeah. So it's always kind of been in my life, you know. Totally. And then once he passed, um, my love for the man intensified, not only for my father, but for uh, you know John Prine. Mm-hmm. I just sort of like did that thing where I go through all his old records and I'm like, oh shit, look at all these gems here. You know what I mean? Look at all this. this. Makes it a little bit more personal. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing is I can't even tell you why this particular song. Mm. Um, it's just, it's really interesting lyrically. I, I'd love to bring it in on, a, on another episode, but. Um, Please do. I, like I said, I can't even tell you why it evokes that out of me. I like see. I, it's, there is a part in there where he's talking about, going up to Canada with his, like, one of his wives trying to fix their marriage, and he talks about this, like, scene. He sets this scene, and the whole the whole song takes place by Lake Marie, and he sets this scene of, like, 
you know, there were four Italian sausages on the outdoor grill, and they were sizzling, and then the (laughs) wind was blowing through her hair, and she had the back to Lake Marie. You know, it's like this literate, like this literature piece of uh, this narrative that just, like, for some reason is just really striking to me. I Mm. mean, he's got, like, a song like Sam Stone that's about, like, a Vietnam veteran who ODs on morphine coming back from the war. Devastating song. Yeah, that. It, you know, it'll if you have ties to the war, it will probably make you cry. Don't, but but you don't. Yeah, I don't no, personally. No. But this other song, Lake Marie, it's got this weird '90s production too. It, it's like off the beaten path, but it just gets me, man. I don't, yeah, sometimes it like doesn't matter. You know, that's no. what I mean. There's no rhyme or reason for yeah. it, and it probably has a lot to do with my dad looming over it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but yeah, also, absolutely. it's like. I'd be really interested for you to make some semblance of the narrative that he's trying to paint in I that see. song. Because it's three separate tales. Him, well, it's well, it starts with these Native Americans that find these babies and then name the babies after the Twin Lakes. Then it talks about like a mall that was built near the forest preserve. Wow. Then it talks about him going camping up there with a wife. Like it's kind of just giving me chills talking about it, but wow. it's like it's this like um, just these thing where it'd be like imagine three short narratives in a film, and then you're left to figure out what ties them all together. Gotcha. You know what I mean? It's almost like Fargo, the show, or something where it all takes place in that geographical area, mm. but they might not all be related. One plus one equals three. Am I right? Hey now, poop 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 poop. Hey. So is this? Should we call this an introductory episode and yeah, then I think and so. then and then do an actual podcast? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think that we should be like when we're done with our questions, which I'm sure we will be in a little bit. I think that we should we should zip through, like do like a sort of a test run, you know, zip through our, our normal uh, uh, thing where I bring a song and you bring a song and then we smoke, or maybe we'll smoke earlier this time because you've already done this whole intro, you know. What, okay. what do you think of that? That's fine. I was going to say I, maybe. I have a song. Are you saying we should cut it and then just do an episode off the bat right now? Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But. Um, yeah, I thought I, about both ways. Yeah, I'm open to it. I'm also open to saving your song and we could just smoke right now and then listen to two songs that neither of us have heard. Yeah. And kind of go into it in our normal way. That think, way it's not like yeah. our own ad- agenda driven portion as well which totally. is fine i don't i don't mind that but yeah i think we could i think we should we owe it to the people that have listened uh thus far to sort of give them an example you know of of, right. of, of, of what we would do well let, let me uh let, let's do like one or two more questions cool then we'll uh, light up this j you blew my pod oh yeah and then we'll uh well, then we'll do some songs. You you have a song today? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Okay, right on. And it's actually uh, on the back of your Reddit sub, your subreddit thread today that you've... Yeah? Yeah. So. Oh, so you just decided this uh, today. Well, I, it, it sparked the conversation. I it see. It sparked the idea. I thought, okay. oh, here's a good conversation. That, but anyway. That's great. Mine was sort of sparked by our conversations uh, last time, but uh, we'll figure that out. Uh, okay, okay, let's see. Yeah, we already sort of dealt with that. Uh, Look at my list of music. What's your favorite musical score from a movie? Hey, I have that. I have a note. I have notable movie soundtrack, uh, which is to me a different question than musical score necessarily. Uh, When you say soundtrack, are you talking about like the Dazed and Confused soundtrack that has like. A bunch of bangers that weren't written for the movie. 
I'm trying to encompass, I think, all of that. I think I, I, I want to... Well, let me just stop you right for there. For my question, I want to say best music from a movie. Well, let me just say this. soundtrack or score. I think that unless you're... Okay, like Martin Scorsese kind of maybe is the, to blame for this, what I'm about to say. Yeah. But I tend to think if you throw Gimme Shelter from the Rolling Stones in a movie... You're lazy. That's yeah. what I think. And I also think if you throw, absolutely, I think if you throw Magic Carpet Ride from Steppenwolf or fucking anything that, what's that from Vietnam one, you know, or uh, the like gonna run through the jungle. Yep, yep, yep. I'm just saying, dude, the baggage... You're, you're committing the, a sin. The emotional baggage that comes with every fucking popular rock song to just throw it on moving pictures is just some fucking amateur shit. Absolutely. And I love it, don't get me wrong. There's some great Martin Scorsese scenes where a guy's sniffing blow and there's a badass oh, Rolling Stones song. Gina. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like, that's, that's what We're the... But I also think there's, like, you've got that, okay, if your movie takes place in 1964 and you yeah. want to use a Bob Dylan live Sweet cut. Yeah, if you want to use a Bob Dylan cut from 1964 you in your 64 movie, one. I get that. I yeah. get, But it's like Wes Anderson, dude, when you just throw on Strangers from the Kinks and Rushmore, it's like, dude, I don't give a rat's ass about your <laughs> yeah. fucking, like, do something compelling, dude. Like, that song did all the legwork for you, yeah. you know? And that's just one of my pet peeves with musical soundtracks. Okay, well, what, what does it right? What does it well? Just, you know. I'll give you a couple examples. Oh, I'll Lord. say, like, one of the examples that does it well is, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, I was going to say that. I well. mean, and that's because... You know, I'm sure you know this already, but they just put that music in as temp music to edit to, because that's mm -hmm. what a lot of editors do. They get like a Chopin piece or a Beethoven piece, and they yeah. put it in there and edit to that to get some rhythm and flow, and then they go to their own music. And then, totally. but Kubrick liked that Wagner so much that it he realized there was this juxtaposition there of this yeah. old classical big achievement and this other big achievement, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get better than this. Right. So sure. I think that's a pretty good example. But then on the other side, I would say like a movie like The Master and a movie like There Will Be Blood. Johnny Greenwood made those uh, scores. I would say he is probably in my top five of like modern composers mm -hmm. that actually do a good job with unique Sounds. This is what I remember of the there of the there will be blood soundtrack. That, that's my impression of it. I, that's not far off, but I'll tell you what. If <laughs> that's uh, all I remember, if, if I only saw it once, what did you enjoy it? Uh, you know, I saw it in theaters, and wow. I was like hyper focused on it, and I was like, "Where's, where's the blood?" <laughs> it was at the very end. Yeah, well, I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, "Well, what the?" F I sat through this whole movie. 
And it's right at the end. I know. I, I, I haven't really done a deep dive it on it, but I the, suppose uh, that, uh, right frame of mind, you know, like. blood for oil. I suppose yeah, it's saying know, that there will be an issue coming up after what this person has done. But again, that's the beauty of the title, right? I, I like, went into it, I think, uh, hoping to have a sort of a good time. And uh, it's I don't think it's that kind of movie. It's definitely know? not that yeah. kind of film. It's a bit more of a dramatic. Yeah, thing, but I, I, it was not what I was anticipating. I abandoned my boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it's a great film. But it really uh, is. It I really haven't is. seen it under the right lens, really. Oh, okay. Here's my. Here's the last question, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up, I guess, with this one. So, I guess, uh, what, what, what? Okay, I'm gonna do a two-parter. Because uh, these are both, I think, interesting. This ain't LSD, goddammit. Yeah, we, sorry. Uh, so what is music and what, what kind of natural role could it have or does it have? Like, how, like why, do, why do we like it? You know, why, do, why does it sort of inherently tickle some part of our brain that releases endorphins? You know, like what, what natural purpose could it serve? And, and, and what is it? So, I mean, attempt to answer both. I know those are huge, huge nebulous questions, but uh, attempt to answer, you know, in whatever way you feel it fit. I think I want to kind of piggyback off of uh, James Brown, and I want to say that music, everything's a drum, so everything's rhythm. So whether it's like your washers, And you want to do a little tap along with the do, 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 do. Or, um, you know, you're making noises while you're in the car. Clock. Clicking around the clock. Yeah, so music is rhythm, is, 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 and then the semblance of rhythm together, multiple rhythms, polyrhythms. But then you sort of get into, there's this part of it that someone knows something that you don't know. Or I have a secret that you don't know. Uh, there's that, and I mean that in the sense of like lyrical content and like a message that they're trying to get across to you. Mm -hmm. So communication so is part of it. Look at like you are my sunshine, right? Or any sort of like plantation-based song where what we're doing, we're singing and we're giving a rhythm to try to make our lives less shitty. So start in the worst of situations where people are literally enslaved and they don't have any instruments, they barely have anything to do, singing songs, bonding, doing... Uh, music is a common goal reached by multiple people sometimes. Mm -hmm. It could be a solo effort, obviously, but I tend to think there's rhythm involved with that and I obviously melody, but... I think that everything with a focus on rhythm, that's how the body moves. That's how the, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's how everything fits together. Correct. Yeah. And so I know it, it is a tough question, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, music is, is anything. I think we've, we've seen from John Cale to, you know, th throughout it, fucking everything. It's like there are, the boundaries are constantly being pushed. So the actual literal definition is just sounds that are assembled. There we go. But, there we go. Um, and then the other thing is like sounds that are in assembled with intention. So totally. they have a common end goal or they are just reaching around in the dark. The intention is to fumble around in the dark 
So, you know, that's what I'm going to. It, it has to have that intention. It can't just be like, oh, I just farted and, and that's, uh, uh, that, well, that's music, isn't it? There are happy accidents, though. There are happy accidents. Oh, totally. That's something I learned from film where you plan something one way and, like, there's a great, there's an old uh, shot from a film where a man is in prison and he's looking out of a window and it's raining and then the reflection on the window has the, it looks like he's crying. Yeah. And they were just shooting it regularly, but then they go, oh, this looks like he's crying. So I guess what I'm saying is that intention wasn't there. However, yeah. they they lucked upon well, that. Yeah, so they, they there put is value to in that. that situation. Right. They you were know? self-aware enough to... They, they watered the, the dirt and they planted the seed, uh, but maybe something else grew that they weren't necessarily intending, but they still, you know, were Did the work. Yeah, the, you're exactly right. That's a great way to put it. it. Uh, what about you? Yeah, uh, well, I it, for big questions like that, and I'm sure uh, getting to know me, uh, I like to like sort of refer to 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 people I view as maybe a little bit more knowledgeable than myself, uh, bigger bigger minds, better minds, you know, people with a little bit more experience. Uh, so I like to take John Cage. I, I mean, uh, John Cage and Frank Zappa, I think, have, have very similar views. Uh, but John Cage specifically said that music is is organized sound, which which you had which you touched on, and I think that's a great view because it's so open, you know. Because I love the idea that it could be almost anything at that point, you know, as long as uh, as you're organizing it in some way, you know, even if it's a chaotic way, even if it's sort of a nebulous way. Fifth time I've used that word, <laughs> uh, and then Frank Zappa. Down everything That's around you. Right. For example, uh, he described, he said something very similar, and he was like, well, music is almost sort of like a frame, you know? So you can take that frame and you can put it, you know, over anything that you like, you know? And whatever you are saying, you know, that uh, you're just saying this, this moment of time, whatever's in that is, is music, and that's art, and whatever. Uh, and I mean, that makes sense as well. And you know, I connect that obviously to, to paintings and portraits and stuff because obviously when you paint your walls a certain color, that's not really considered art. But if you put a frame around it, I mean, and, and you put it in a museum, I guess, and you put it under scrutiny, then, then maybe it is art. Or it definitely is because you say it is, you know. Uh, great, great way to end it. Let's uh, let's get into our, our music. Here we go. This is uh, my song and Neil's song that I think neither of us have heard. Who wants to go first? I feel like I go first every time. So uh, okay, yeah. well I'll go first, I suppose. Yeah. Um, do we light the J now or? What do you think? I think we should. Yeah. I think we should. No, All I, right. need, I needed to take the time to appreciate the silence. Yes, yes. <sighs> See, I will. Brain. I'll say this, Brandon. I am appreciative of anybody who actually lives what their philosophy is like the practical application of it versus treating it like a hobby horse yeah man i mean i try that should that yeah thank you it's good to not have cotton mouth I mean, at a certain point, you have to, like, level with yourself and just sort of be like, why are you doing what you're doing, you know? Are you doing what you're doing to satisfy a, a phantom, you know, that is, the, that is the people around you, 
you know? Are you doing what you're doing to satisfy a, a notion of yourself that you created? I don't know. I feel like the ambient music should have still been on. Yeah, that. I mean, yeah, but... Uh, Rednecks, baby. Give me a little intro. Randy Newman. All right, so we're going to take a little turn here, because uh, even though that might be its own little episode. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> turn from what? Yeah, never we mind. We were just talking. We were just best friends. We were just talking about uh, whatever we were talking about. Oh, wait. Okay. Oh, yeah, I just asked you the question. Remember when we were yes. talking about that question, about the role of music in, natural, in the natural world? Yeah, what a snooze fest that was. <laughs> that was only two or three minutes ago, though. So yeah, here we just are. Just a brief moment ago. We're back. Also, we did smoke a little weed. Yeah, we took a ambient break. We smoked weed. I got very, very high. I did, too. And then, so here's, check this out. I need that lighter. This is a, this is a controversial. It's a Randy Newman song. This is a controversial song. Rednecks. And, uh, you know. I don't know if it's worth you to pull up the lyrics. I don't know that you don't necessarily like to do that, but maybe you should just enjoy the song. If you tell me to do it, I'll do it. Well, let's just give it a listen, and then... That's what I decided. Okay. Well, I think you should. Done. But uh, go ahead and hit it. Here we go. Uh, Wait, I have uh, some questions about it. Yes, yes, please. Uh, Is it just Randy Newman and a piano? Randy so, some drums. Here's the thing. What, what, am I, what am I expecting sonically? So what we have here is the first song off of his album called Good Old Boys. And now I this think early in his career, middle career. This is early. early. And I think that there's some speculation that um, he wanted to make a concept album about the South. But it turned into a loose concept album, and it also, as a matter of fact, probably just isn't a concept album. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but it's sort of if you know anything about Randy, if you know anything about Randy Newman, if you would know, and I don't. Well, the the important facts about Randy Newman is that he views, as he calls it, the longitude of songwriting, or the latitude rather, excuse me, the latitude, the width that you're provided to, um, like spectrum you're allowed to cover right he spectrum yes he views it in a different way which is more akin to like a short story or a novel where you can expound upon certain things in order to get a point across whereas like a song it's being delivered from a person often from a person's perspective that you might even assume is the singer their perspective oftentimes you know what I mean? Although that's not always happened to be the case. You do know what I, understand what I'm saying, right? Say that again. I'm a singer, and I'm singing like, oh, my heart got broke, and I wish yeah. it didn't. And, and you, think, you, think I, you think this happened to me. Yeah, yeah, he's taking a different perspective. He goes, well, yeah, but it's, it's not even that. It's, like, it's not even that. It's like a vignette. Yeah, it's like a little and vignette. I'm writing a song. Exactly. And so I think that... It's important to just understand that he's 
these little fractal narratives, yeah. these little... Um, but it's a 1974 record. I'm a Trump supporter from the deep south. Two A and Big Mouth. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, and so here's the other thing. What would be the reason for doing that? What, like, what could you? Why would you, Brandon Karras, want to sing a song from a character's perspective? Just like. Let me, I'm asking. Me personally, I would want to highlight an aspect of uh, their relationship to society. I think that I think is interesting. Okay, well then hit it. Here we go. Last night I saw Lester Maddox on. Hey. What? No, we stopped. Fallen idol. Fallen idol. So we oh, see, just listened to Randy Newman's Rednecks. Randy Newman's Rednecks. We're gonna. We, we just made the executive decision to cut it out. It was a decision made out of necessi- necessity. Go listen to it on your own. Randy Newman Rednecks uh, on, on. I'm sure all your your popular streaming uh, platforms. I, I think the controversial thing about it is it uses the N word. The N word of the hard R, but it's written from the perspective. Let's break down the song. It's written from the perspective of a uh, of, of a redneck person, you a know? southerner. A southerner. Maybe we can like pull up the lyrics here, and it's sort of like uh, you know he acknowledges that that I guess he's he does a red that like part of the redneck culture, you know, is you go to barbecues and shit and laughs loud. Yeah, maybe you know abrasive and and a little racist. It sounds like. Because he, it seems like they openly acknowledge that they don't like black people around. Yes, I'm just saying. Uh, but then you know the last couple of verses, they turn the 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 spotlight, you know, off of off of the south southern man, and they they turn it onto the northern man, essentially. Uh, you know, who notoriously has all these. Uh, he's basically calling out the northern cities that are notorious. For having, uh, you know, ghettos and 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 you know, Section Eight housing. You're saying and like segregated and areas. Segregated areas, yeah, because you know the white people want to live in the nice area away from all the riffraff and all that. Uh, so he says, free to be put in a cage on the south side of Chicago. He lists the cities: New York City, Harlem, uh, West Side, Hue and Cleveland, East St. Louis, Fillmore, and San Francisco. Roxbury and Boston. You know, he's like, it's p- part of the problem is you liberals as well. That's the point of the song, right? I only listened to it one time. Yes, Tell me. Yes, and I think that also, I think that he, as in Randy Newman, wanted to speak from a perspective that was a character who saw this on TV that wanted to prove that anybody who feels that they are holier than thou, holier than thou based on their ideology um, could be shown to be a little bit suspect. Yeah, the white moderate, baby. Exactly, exactly. You're, they're part of the problem, too. And also, I was trying to express that one of the, or wanted to bring up that one of the great points about this song is that if you just let the guy talk at the beginning, that he's not going to feel emboldened by like getting shut down in New York City, a blue... Area. Can I read the verse? Yeah. Uh, this is the intro to the song. This is what he's talking about. Uh, 
because it's about a, a man on a TV show, Lester Maddox on a TV show, but then everybody laughs at the guy, Lester Maddox. Uh, so the intro is, last night I saw Lester Maddox on a TV show. I'm reading these lyrics really straightforwardly uh, with some smart-ass New York Jew. So here he is characterizing people by their uh, race or whatever. Uh, and the Jew laughed at Lester Maddox, so he brought him on his show, and he was a total jerk about it, laughed at him, and then the audience laughed at Lester Maddox, uh, you know, who, I guess the the person from the perspective, whose perspective it is, kind of holds Lester Maddox in high regard. Lester Maddox is who? Breakdown? A Georgia governor Georgia from governor. about 67 to 71 or something, and yeah. he's really famous for being a segregationist, and like... There was an instance in Atlanta that he refused to serve some black people, and it went, it's like a, you know, at the time it like went viral uh, yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah. so it's like, it was, it's like, you know, he's a bad, bad, you know, wrong side of history guy, let's just say that. Yeah, uh, well, he may be a fool, but he's our fool. If they think they're better than him, they're wrong. So I went to the better park. than him. Okay, I thought yeah. it was smarter. That's what I said. Yeah, but if they think they're better than him, then they're wrong. And they're wrong. So he goes to the park. He takes some paper along, and he makes this song that you hear. But um, bum bum bum. Talk real funny down here. Yeah. So yeah, then he ex proceeds to explain the southern sort of experience in a very vague where we talk too much and we laugh too loud, or we drink too much and we laugh too loud. You know. And then, no-necked oil men from Texas, good old boys from Tennessee, college men from LSU, Louisiana State, uh, went in dumb, come out dumb, uh, hustling around Atlanta in their alligator shoes, getting drunk every weekend at the barbecues, keeping the N-words down. That's the words. Uh, you know, so it's like, we're rednecks, we don't know our ass from a hole in the ground, but they're, they're proud of that. You know, they're proud of how dumb and uh, but I mean, and whatever, yeah, maybe there's merit to that, I suppose. Being proud of who you are, that's great. But I think also, you know, you gotta commit to change and 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 try to be a better person. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. Uh. And so yeah, so he starts with that, and then we go to verse three and four, and we we point the finger at the north a little bit. And, right. And he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. And. Uh, we, but we don't want him to be right is part of it as well. So we, we kind of don't acknowledge it within ourselves. Right, right. We can't ex accept that they're, that he may be right about yeah. some things. And that we, we're to blame as well. Right, right. Maybe we're bad. It's a, it's a, and here's, let me ask you this. Do you think the song is a much different song if he says like, and we're keeping the black folks down or something like that? You know what I mean? Do, it, do like, it, is, would it be too, like, not acknowledging that that's a reality of these people from the South? or Because um, I think that, you know, he doesn't play it anymore. It's a little more specific. Yeah, he doesn't play it anymore because, uh, you know, he was saying that he felt like people, like, sang it without the right intention. They, like, celebrate. They like sang it as yeah. like a celebration. They're insensitive. That's yeah. part of the that's part of the message. Or they thought that like they're proud that they the song was about them, that yeah. they were redneck and they yeah. that they were actively trying to do, you know, some white supremacy shit or something. You know, but I I just find it interesting that it's such a you know, a lot of arguments could be made about the 
a necessity of that, but B, like the uh, censorship, else, uh, like should he be allowed to do that? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I, did that, when you listened to it did, it, did it make you feel weird at all to hear this white guy saying that? Or? No, I mean, I'm not, I have a very uh, analytical view of it. You know, I mean, I'm not going to use that word if people are going to be offended by it. Uh, but I think it's a sound, uh, and, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to give my hot, my hot take on the N word, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, no, I'm not saying that. I but just, no, I'm not made uncomfortable by it. I mean, cause it's art and, and it seems like honestly, the, the, the bigger implication of this whole song is that, is that the black man is still incarcerated, uh, by by the white man's system, and, uh, you know, That's right. is not is not free. They're not they're not being welcomed into the middle class. They're not being welcomed into uh, you know a better state of living. And I mean, uh, structurally, that that seems to track. How can you disagree with that? So you know, uh, if if that's your larger point, I can't. Uh, I can't I mean, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. You yeah, know? I just um, you don't hear a lot of. It would make me uncomfortable if, if 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 the song was full of hate. Right. You right. know. It, it's just an interesting topic, and it's kind of an interesting approach to the topic. And I yeah. think that you find out with that song that you can really access certain things that maybe Mark Twain or Kurt Vonnegut and these large body of work authors who really have a lot to say. You can really tap into that kind of thing for a second. That's like a two and a half minute song or something. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's like there's really just some power to that that I think is sort of under uh, under maybe represented or something. I don't know what the right word is. Like I just don't see a lot of yeah, that yeah. kind of yeah. songwriting. Makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I just and honestly, it's hard for me to even think in those terms because yeah. I've I've written one tune like that. Um, that I am proud of, but at the same time, it's sort of like a little bit of a joke. You know, yeah. it's kind of a fun. I didn't want to sort of do it in a Randy Newman fashion, but I just mean like writing from another character's perspective. It's like it comes off like almost like a short story, right? You know, almost like a, 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 a classic American short story. You know, but but condensed. You know, because you definitely imagery. You know, is is, is evident. Very true. And there's sort of a start and a finish, you know, start a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, there's a whole yes. intro, and like it just it sort of follows the uh, the hero arc or whatever. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, cool. Well, check out my song. You ready what for do this you got? shit? What do you got? Give me an you intro. You know, it's funny. Maybe. You had red necks. I have red rum. Nice. This episode's called Red. This is a track by Pogo, who's somebody whose music uh, I've sort of lightly been following for a long time. P-O-G-O? P-O-G-O. Pogo uses samples from films to make the music. I'm fucking stoked. Yeah. You are a fucking flake, Jessup! That's right. I love that one. Uh, So, yeah, it's like even everything from the percussion, you know, is taken from like slams in the the audio of the film, you know. Uh, He'll 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 retune... the voices of pe- what people are saying, you know, the lines that people are saying. Uh, and he makes, so he'll make a song that's like all the Lord of the Rings samples, you know, and it's a musical number. And like, 
traditionally very, very beautifully orchestrated music, like on a, on a, on a strictly musical harmonic level, you know? And then there's that, uh, that like sort of nostalgic uh, element where if it's a movie that you love in your past or whatever, you're hearing all these sort of like lines from the film and you're like thinking about all the moments and you're oh, like, so oh. he's using dialogue. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in most songs, he uses it way more than he does in this one. This one is like one of the most reserved songs I've ever heard him put out. And that's why we're playing it. Because typically... Uh, if there's any flaw to his music, he'll sort of like peak a little early, you know? And this one, he really focuses on the arrangement. And I've only heard it one time. Nice. Is it yeah. new? When did it come out? Uh, I'm not really sure. Let's see. How do I show credit? Yeah, there's no date. I don't know. I think so. I, w- I want to say yes. Uh, but... See if you, I mean, it'll be obvious, and it already is obvious, but if, if you can tell what movie he's taking all the samples from. So here we go. So stay out. You understand? Stay out. Yeah, like one of the most artistic interpretations I've ever heard him do because most of the other music is like dancey, happy dance music. Come play with us, Danny. And like this, yeah, like he hits some art, artistic strides in this one. Yeah. You'll see. Bear with me. Because we peak late. Peak very late. Yeah. I love this so far, dude. Yeah. <laughs> video on YouTube, it shows you the Over. film clip Over. of the sample he's taking. You know. Is that how he does it? Pretty much. Like, like this is like somebody hitting a something and he like retuned it. Over. That's... it. The music video is very cool to watch. Do you know what movie? The Shining, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making sure. Like that's some little click that they make in the movie, you know? That little I wish we could stay here. Yeah. 
emotionality, you know? A little bit. second time I've ever heard it. Yeah, that's KBK1. Yeah. So awesome. We yeah. need that sample. And like a wonderful uh, sort of unique arrangement. Yeah, what did we lose our... What was that? Oh, I guess I faded the computer out. I'm dumb. Whoopsie. It's still I there. Always, I always forget that that's, uh, that's both of us. Fallen there we go. Idol. I know. I'm sorry. Uh... Yeah, I mean, thoughts? What, what? I mean, you know, I so... Unique arrangement. Great arrangement. I mean, it's pretty... I mean, I'd say it's pretty pretty uh, techno. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty... Yeah. Um, I mean, look. Okay, you got to stop. we didn't linger. You got to... Here, here, I'd be interested to know if, like, he's subbing in those sounds and the beat was made. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, he's uh. triggering those noises. I mean, you you gotta watch the video, which I suppose I guess we'll do after the yeah after the set. So because that will kind of reveal to you how how does how he do it's this happening. on Twitch like live or some shit? He does he does do live shows, yeah. But he, d he uses like something like this to trigger loops and samples. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, amazing. He's an amazing like, amazing like DJ, and and the live performance is incredible. It's, it's a great it's idea too to take, like I'd love. And is it what's that? What's the name of that song? Uh, it's Red Rum. Nice. So like Rednecks, and we got Red Rum. And then so what other movies has he done? Uh, a, a, pl a plethora. Uh, he does a lot of Disney movies, pretty much every Disney movie you can think of. Um, but he also does like Pulp Fiction, I saw one What's of. the best Disney movie one he does? The best Disney movie one. Um, you know, there's a really good Alice in Wonderland one. Hit it's me really with great. something else. Hit me with something else. Yeah. Get me like an Aladdin one, or give me like the Lion King, dude. Does he do the Lion King? Possibly. Uh, he's or got a lot of stuff. Jungle Book, do Jungle Book. Okay, yeah, I de he's definitely got a, a Jungle Booky one. Jungle Dash. Okay, here we go. By special request, and I love Pogo, so I have to do it. Here, and I'll I played the music video, and I'm gonna turn it. I don't, I don't know this song. This is cool. Yeah, baby. <laughs> 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 
What a legend. Watch the video, people, for Jungle Dash by, by Pogo. Emotional. This makes me want to cry. I know. And then you like, I'm like remembering all like childhood, watching Jungle Book. The pitching. It's crazy. The rhythms. Yeah, so many amazing rhythms. Wow, I mean, folks, you can see this video. It's just the clips from Jungle Book. Interspersed, sliced up. Yeah. See where you see the origin of all the samples. Now let's go once more. Pretty amazing. Loosen up. Wow. Love it. Get into Pogo, people. Yeah, how long's this guy been around? Uh, um. Let's see, I got into him like back in college. That was like about 10 years ago. So I think he's been around maybe like 12, 15 years. You know, and all consistently doing his thing, man. Evolves and stuff, but I definitely feel like we hit we hit a peak kind of very early on. You know, that, that, in the previous song, the Shining right. song, we really drew it out and we really like focused on the arrangement. Yeah, this one is much longer. Yeah, and we're just like we're just like threw all this at us and like you're in it, you're in it. Or I meant to say, I guess rather, it feels much longer because we did peak so earlier, yeah. so much earlier. There's so much information that we're Elements and you're like, this is a new sentence and a new thought. Yeah. I mean, this is really cool. The mixed media element of taking all the sounds. Because I mean, there's. All right, we get it. We get it. Go. Twenty-three seconds. That sounds like a real snare. I mean. Yeah, he doesn't always take the percussion elements from the song. I think you know. I think that's that's dependent on the song, dependent on what he's trying to say with each piece. Sometimes well, that Shining one seemed to have that, which easier. I enjoyed. It seemed that, to be like music from the movie. What was cool about the Shining one is that I felt like every sample was a uh, is a direct lift from from some sound effect in the film, you know, which is very cool. Brandon, what was your favorite song off Deja and Tindu? Um, honestly, like the first track where he's like sinking like a that, that one has the most the length for me. I'm like that was like trippy and ambient and cool. And yeah. Like I was like chilled me out. But uh, there's also another song that that really evolves very nicely. Uh, and it like has that big moment where it's like, boom. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think they hit a new peak. They hit a peak on that that no other track on there really got. Yeah, and the arrangement of that song is great as well. Well, I, that's I think that's it, man. You know, as far as you know, I think we just wanted to listen to a quick two songs, and uh, you know we had that we had our thoughts earlier from the question and answer session, and there you go, intro episode. Yeah, and also uh, we accidentally cut out for a second yeah. and then removed the actual portion of Rednecks. So yeah, which please go listen to it. 
Yeah, which is, you know, probably the correct thing to do. Uh, and, um, you know, I just wanted to be like Animal Collective, get ahead of it before, it, you know. Yeah, because it has the N-word with a hard R. Correct. correct. Uh, many times. Yeah. Well, but I guess, what, what, did you have something to say? Oh, you're gonna do that? I was, I was just gonna, let, I was gonna let Pogo play us out with another, with like a sort of a re, re replay of, of Red Rum while we watch the music video for uh -oh. for Red Rum. So here I'm showing Neil the video and have a good day. Take it easy, everybody. I'm gonna fade, I'm gonna cut this out in post. So stay off. So if you're listening, you can fuck right the hell off. See what I'm saying? It's just a little... Come play with us, Daddy. So creepy. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> 